Welcome to the Invictus Church Podcast. We're grateful that you've chosen to listen, and we want to invite you to join us each week as we upload new content. Our prayer each week is that those who listen in would not just be stirred or inspired, but also changed. Now, get ready for life change with this week's message from Invictus Church. Well, welcome everybody to week number two of Marked. How many of you like to know the truth? How many of you like being told the truth? You like learning the truth? Are you open to the truth? Well, here's a fact about the truth. If you want to know the truth, you have to be open to it no matter what. It means you have to want the truth more than you want anything else. You have to want the truth more than you want to be right. You have to want the truth more than you want to spout your own opinion. You have to want the truth before anything Else, And so in this series, we are talking about the truth, and the truth can be known. In fact, in this series, um, uh, God, uh, we understand through this series that God is telling us, um, I want you to know the truth. He has revealed himself in amazing ways. We call these things in this series, five of them that we're going to be looking at, we're calling them marks. Marks that God has left behind, uh, proving evidence of himself, saying, I'm here, I love you, I want you to know I'm here. God is not some mystical being up in heaven, detached from us, and uh, created the world and wound it up and just watching it run. He created it and is involved in what is going on in the world and wants you to know that he's there. You can know him by knowing the truth. Last week's mark, the truth that we looked at, was the mark of creation. God has left evidence behind in creation, proof that he is there. And what we learned last week is that science is not against Christianity. In fact, science is on our side. When we look at science, science is the ally of faith because it bolsters our faith and it strengthens our faith. We learned last week that our faith is a reasonable faith. It's not a blind faith that you just, I believe in Jesus and because somebody told me once, that's not it. We believe in Jesus because he is verifiable because God has proven himself through creation and he's proven himself through other things, other marks that we're going to be looking at through this series. The second mark that we're going to look at today is this one. It is consideration. We know God's truth through consideration. What is consideration? Consideration is thinking about something. In other words, you can know about God by using your noodle. By thinking. And as Christians, many times we are guilty of checking our brains at the door. But not at this church. We are not going to be guilty of that. We are going to be Christians who are thoughtful Christians, who reason about things because God gave us a mind. Uh, Let's review the foundational statement of this series. The foundational statement of this series is the truth is knowable. Everybody say that. The truth is knowable. The truth is knowable. You can know it. I love it when people say, you can't know the truth. Well, how did you come to know that truth? The truth is knowable. There are facts in the world that we can understand and discern, and God gave us a brain to be able to discern and understand those things. We can know the truth. Jesus says this in John 8, 32, and you will know the truth, 
and the truth will set you free. Here's the thing that's scary. There are a lot of people out there, atheists, that will say, well, Christianity is just a crutch uh, for people who are afraid of the dark. Well, atheism is a crutch for those who are afraid of the light. For those who are afraid of the real truth. The truth is knowable. Jesus says you can know the truth. And what will the truth do? It will set you free. You see, a lot of times we don't really want to be set free. We don't really want to know the truth because we want to hold on to our own opinions, our own agendas, our own thoughts, our own ways, and say, I'm right because I said so. That's a big thing in America. Everybody has their opinions. Turn on Facebook, man. You're going to get them all. You look at Twitter for five minutes, you're going to hear every opinion you can imagine. Opinions aren't truth. Truth is truth. And when you know it, that's where you find real freedom. God gave us minds. We should use our minds. We should be thoughtful. We should consider things wisely. And somebody says uh, to you maybe, why do you believe what you believe? And a lot of Christians... I said it a minute ago, we're guilty of checking our brains at the door. A lot of Christians, when somebody says, why do you believe what, we, what you believe? Well, I just, I, just, I just believe it. Or I believe it because the Bible says so. And so you start spouting Bible verses to them. Well, if that person doesn't believe the Bible, you just sound stupid. Well, yeah, I just said that. If you're talking to somebody about your faith and they don't believe the Bible and you're saying the Bible is the reason to believe, they're going to go, well, I don't believe that. So... What other reasons do you have? See, the biggest challenge that Christians in our culture have is that many times we are intellectually lazy. And we just say, you know what? I'm not going to learn to defend my faith. I'm not going to learn to really be thoughtful about my faith. I'm just going to accept it at face value, and that's good enough. That may be good enough for you, but it's not good enough for everybody. There are millions of people in the world that need you to know why you believe what you believe so that you can have a thoughtful conversation with them about it so that you can point them to the truth because the truth can be known. Notice what I'm not saying in this series. The truth can be believed. That's not what we're saying. You can believe the truth, yes, but that's not the point of this series. The, truth, the point of this series is that the truth can be known. You can know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what do you believe is a great question for you to answer, but an almost equally important, if not maybe even more important question, is to be able to answer, why do you believe it? Why do you believe it? Followers of Christ should never be afraid of reason and logic, because when you use reason and logic... You come to the conclusion, faith in God is real. Faith in the Bible makes sense. God is true. So there are three considerations that lead us to God. The first one is this. Write this down. Uh, the, consider science. Now, we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to camp out here. But when you consider science, it's going to lead you to God. 
Uh, if you want more proof of that, if you want more evidence of that, more talking points to be able to share with people, uh, go online and check out last week's message. We have that on our website, invictus.church. Click on the media link and you can watch that message or listen to that message. And um, you can check it out and get the information about how science is our ally as believers in God. Uh, the second uh, consideration that leads us to God is considering your paths, considering the path that your life takes, the roads that you go down in your life. Proverbs 4.26 says, consider, uh, consider, carefully consider the path for your feet and all your ways will be established. What does that mean? It means think before you act. Sounds like the advice you give your teenager, doesn't it? Think before you do something. Consider the roads that your life is on. Here are some of the roads, the paths in your life that you ought to be considering. Consider your career. Does your career build your faith or does it break your faith? Is it helping you become more like Christ? Is it helping you accomplish the mission of Jesus in the world or is it somehow dragging you away from Christ and dragging you down? Consider your kids. How are you doing on pointing them to Jesus on a scale of one to 10? And why does your answer to that matter? Consider your children, consider your friendships. Maybe you're a person that's like, man, I just, every time I get a friendship, it falls apart and they never last. Well, you know who the common denominator in is in every one of those friendships? It's you. Consider the path that your life is on, what you're doing. Am I destroying friendships somehow intentionally or unintentionally? Think about it. Consider it. God will use that to grow you and shape you and change you. Maybe when you consider your relationships, you have to consider whether or not your relationships are helping you become more like Jesus or less like Jesus. Consider those relationships. Consider your roadblocks. This is a huge one. Think about the bumps in the road, the walls that you run into that stop you from accomplishing certain goals. You ever had a goal that you just really wanted to reach for? Something you dreamed about in your life and it seemed like no matter how hard you tried, there was always a glass ceiling stopping you from reaching it and you just smack it right into it over and over and over again. Ever felt that? Yeah, that's aggravating and frustrating and discouraging, isn't it? But when you consider those roadblocks, here's good news. If God is closing a door and slamming it shut in your face, it's proof that he doesn't want you to go through it. He doesn't want you there, so consider the road. Lord, where do you want me to go? I knew a guy, I still know him, and for over 20 years, he was convinced that he needed to be a pastor. But no church in 20 years would ever hire him. There's your sign, right? Consider your roadblocks. Maybe God has a different plan for you. Uh, consider your gifts. Consider your talents, or maybe even your lack thereof, right? I mean, if you're not good at math, pretty good sign you shouldn't be an accountant, right? I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? What, what, when you consider your gifts, what are you good at? What makes you feel full and satisfied and gives you joy? And, and how does that draw you closer to God? I, I know another guy that I went to college with brilliant, brilliant dude. He was able to get a double major in a private university and graduate in three years. He graduated in three years. Then he went on to get a master's degree of divinity, which is a 92-hour program. Usually takes three hours to accomplish. He got that in two years. He got his, his two bachelor's degrees and a master's degree in a total of five years. 
The guy's super duper smart, brilliant. He ought to probably be a professor. But he wanted to be a singer. <laughs> Only one problem. Homie was tone deaf. The guy could not sing. He, he started out in college trying to get a, be a vocal performance major, and all of his professors were saying, Stop. You cannot get a degree in vocal performance because vocally you can't perform. It was just bad. I went to a little tiny country church. God loved little tiny country churches. There's a, a special place for them, but sometimes they just make colossally bad decisions, all right? And, and this little church that I was in that made the decision that every time there was a fifth Sunday in a month, that night we would have fifth Sunday singing. And anybody in the church who wanted to come sing could sing. And so we would have to sit through this particular friend of mine singing three or four songs. And, oh my. Imagine all the worst people that you've seen on American Idol. Put them in one body. Yeah, I mean, he just wasn't good at it. Well, after getting those degrees, I ran into him at a restaurant. He was working at Zio's. And I'm like, you've got all these degrees, and you're working at zero at Zio's. What's going on? Well, I've still been trying to pursue my music career, and it's not happening for me. And I asked, because Zio's is the restaurant where they have waiters that'll sing. And I said, well, do they let you sing here? He said, no. <laughs> Consideration. Man, God gave you a brilliant brain. Why in that one area of his life wouldn't he use it? But many times, we, it's easy for us to laugh at somebody like that. But haven't we done the same thing? We just make one dumb choice after another and then wonder, why am I stuck here? Because we don't use this thing, consideration, to discover God's truth for our lives. And then, lastly, consider God's word. When you consider the Bible, what does God's word have to say about your life? Now, initially, you may go, you, you may be here today and you're kicking the tires on this whole Jesus thing and God thing and religion thing, and, and you're not even a believer, and that's okay. I want to challenge you to consider the Bible. Deeply, deeply investigate it. Now, when I say investigate the Bible, I don't mean go turn on a couple of YouTube videos from skeptics. Don't do your Bible research on the internet. You can put anything on the internet. Anybody can say anything on the internet, and there's no verifying whether it's actually true or not. But if you do a scholastic, intense study of the Bible, here's what you will find. It is true. The Bible invites scrutiny. It is the only religious book that does that. It's the only religious book out there that has so many historical facts and spouts them out there broadly and widely for everybody to see so that you can go back through history and find out, is this accurate? The resurrection of Jesus, for example, is one of the most provable events in human history. No one for 2,000 years has been able to debunk it, and believe me, people have tried. That alone proves that the New Testament is believable. The Bible is believable. We can know the truth. 
if you are open to the truth and you want the truth more than anything, then you'll have the backbone to really explore the truth of the Bible and find out for yourself, is it real or not? If you don't really want the truth, you won't have the backbone to do it. You'll just want to believe what you believe. Say, leave me alone. We all have the right to be self-deceived, but I pray that you won't exercise that right. Consider God's word. Also, when you're considering God's word, maybe you're here today, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of you here today who believe the Bible. That's why you're at a church. And and, um, uh, you believe that God's word has something practical and useful for you every day of your life. Well, consider what God's word says about the situations in your life. I love a guy named Dave Ramsey. Anybody heard of Dave Ramsey? Dave Ramsey, he is a finance expert. He is on the radio. He is a godly Christian man. In fact, launching at the time of our small groups, we're going to have a a Dave Ramsey um, financial peace Uh, group that's going to start. And so if you've got money problems and you want to learn how to get over those money problems, Financial Peace University is for you because how many of you wouldn't love to have some financial peace for a change? And uh, it'd be a great, great opportunity for you to get plugged into that. Uh, But anyway, one of my favorite things about Dave Ramsey is he doesn't just give practical advice. He gives biblical advice. And what's amazing about the biblical advice is that it's practical advice. The Bible is full of all kinds of no-nonsense kind of stuff. It's just like, wow, that that makes sense. It just adds up. And so when people call Dave Ramsey and they ask him a question about their finances, his answer is almost always two parts. The first part is, well, here's what the Bible says. And the second part is, and here's what that means for us today. And that's where he gets his financial advice from. This guy's financial advice comes from Scripture. When you look at finances, you find out the Bible is full of all kinds of sensible, reasonable, intelligent things that will help you manage your money well. And the Bible has all kinds of stuff in it about relationships, about marriage, about uh, uh, overcoming challenges in your life, about overcoming doubts in your life. The Bible is full of stuff for almost every situation that you will face. There's at least a principle in Scripture that applies. So you need to consider God's word when you're considering the various paths of your life. The principle, though, that I'd want you to not miss today is this. Whatever path you're on, always decide who you are going to be before you decide what you're going to do. Always decide who you're going to be before you decide what you're going to do. What that means is if you consider the pathway of your life and you aim at being the kind of person God wants you to be, then whatever path you're on, you will find him along the way. Lord, make me into who you want me to be first. And I'll find you wherever I go. Consider God. Proverbs 3, 6 says this. Seek God's will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. You can find God through considering science And considering your path, you can also find God when you consider your worldview. Write that down. When you consider your worldview. What's a worldview? A worldview is your filter through which you interpret everything. Everything that happens to you, everything that you see, everything that you hear, everything that you observe in this world runs through a filter in your mind. And that filter is your worldview. 
view. What I want you to do today is to stop and this week consider what is your worldview? How do you view everything? Have you ever thought about that? What is that screen through which everything that comes into your mind is filtered? We all have one. It's called our worldview. The worldview is how you view reality. It's how you interpret life. I love Rick Warren. He's a pastor in California. And he says this, my worldview is the beliefs that I build my life on. A worldview is the beliefs that you build your life on. It's how you view everything, how you view God, self, death, past, present, future, good, evil. Everything is run through your worldview. I want you to watch this funny little video about what worldviews are like, and it'll help give you a clearer picture. This is Sasha. This is Sam. When they first met, it was just small talk about where to find the best coffee, the new high top she just bought, a book of poetry he found at a used bookstore, a new local band she discovered just last weekend, a zombie apocalypse movie he saw last night with some friends from his martial arts class, her homemade screen print t-shirt, and his favorite Chinese restaurant, which made them both hungry. So they got two orders of Mandarin chicken with brown rice, and then... Sam opened his fortune cookie. Life's journey ends with a new beginning. Whoa, that's deep. But in the real world, life's journey ends with an ending. When you die, you're done. Well, yes, your body no longer works, but your soul continues to exist, don't you think? Your soul? No, I don't believe in ghosts. We're physical creatures, material objects, just a collection of highly organized atoms. When your brain flatlines, that's it. Game over. So you don't believe in life after death? No. I mean, it's a comforting thought, but there's just no scientific evidence for it. I'd rather face the real world than believe in a fairy tale. Yeah, I agree with you, Sam. It's best to face reality. But it may be that life after death is reality. I mean, think about it. If life just ends at death, then everything we do or say comes to nothing. What meaning or purpose can our lives possibly have? Well, I guess my life has whatever meaning I choose to give it. I personally believe in truth, beauty, science, making the world a better place, saving the environment, freedom of speech, and, you know, tolerance. Yes, that's all well and good. But what does all that matter if it ends in nothingness? What are your thoughts about God? Which God? There are millions of gods. The God that's in the Bible. It's been proven that the Bible is just a bunch of mythology written by ancient desert nomads. But you know, if faith in God makes you feel good, I won't argue with that. But I personally prefer more of a rational, open-minded approach to life. Here's what I believe, Sasha. You shouldn't think anything is true unless it's been scientifically proven. But has that belief itself been scientifically proven? Um... Sam, you and I look at life very differently. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like we're from different worlds. Not different worlds, different worldviews. A worldview is the set of lenses through which you see the world around you. It's a web of habit-forming beliefs that helps you make sense of all your experiences. Through your worldview, you interpret life in a particular way. It affects how you think, how you feel, and how you live from day to day. To understand what your worldview is, think carefully about the big questions of life. Does God exist?
how did everything begin? Who am I? Why am I here? Am I living a good life? What happens after I die? Cabbages and puppies don't think about this stuff, but people do. Reflecting on these questions is part of what makes us human. In fact, every one of us has a worldview. What's yours? The Impact 360 Institute has a little worldview quiz. It's really kind of fun to take. I encourage you to go on there this week and take the worldview quiz and see what your worldview is really like. Uh, it'll help you learn a little bit about yourself, and hopefully uh, through that journey, you will find out more about God and will point you more to Him. Now, when you consider your worldview, I, I want you to ask yourself this question, how consistent is my worldview with reality? Does my worldview stack up to the world? Does it actually work? Because what we find out is that most people's worldviews are drastically skewed and they don't add up with reality. If you're considering your worldview and it doesn't match what is real, your worldview isn't real. It's false. It's not true. If it can't be measured by what is actually verifiable, then it isn't verifiable. So consider it and compare it to reality. Now, the only worldview, I'm, I'm making a very biased statement here, the only worldview that doesn't have any gaps is God's worldview. Why is that? Follow my logic here. If God exists, just say for the moment that he does. If God exists, his is the only perspective that would really be perfect, infallible, right? And so it would be important to get my worldview in alignment with his worldview because his is the right one. His is the perfect one. And the, the more closely my worldview aligns with his, the more accurate, the more realistic, the more actually verifiable my worldview would be. So let me give you some practical examples that will force you to evaluate your worldview. When you are looking at this question, what does your worldview demand that you answer? Here's the question. Is it wrong to be narrow-minded? Now, don't spout out your answer because some of you are going to say yes, some of you are going to say no, and some of you are going to go, I don't know. But your worldview is determining how you are answering that question right now. Now, a lot of people, their worldview would say, it's wrong to be narrow-minded. If you're narrow-minded, you are bad. Okay, let's consider that for just a second. Let's measure it against reality. Is it narrow-minded to say you're bad if you're narrow-minded? Well, actually, yes, it is. So you're saying it's bad to be narrow-minded, but to make such a discernment, such a determination, you're being narrow-minded to get there. So by your own definition, you're bad. It's called self-defeating logic or ill logic. It doesn't work. So here's the truth. Everybody's narrow-minded. Have you ever met a Republican that wasn't narrow-minded? Have you ever met a Democrat that wasn't narrow-minded? 
You know why Republicans and Democrats hate each other so much on social media? Because they're both narrow-minded. Everybody's narrow-minded. You know, you're narrow-minded about what you like to eat. I am very narrow-minded when it comes to tomatoes. I would rather eat a turd. I'm just saying, and I'm going to be extremely narrow-minded about that. We are narrow-minded about lots of stuff. I'm narrow-minded about national, not the National Football League. I cannot stand the New England Patriots. Go Rams. I don't care about the Rams, but I don't want the Patriots to win the Super Bowl. I'm narrow-minded about that. We are all narrow-minded about things. So to say a blanket statement, it's wrong to be narrow-minded, is just asinine. It doesn't stack up to reality. Everybody's narrow-minded. Christians are narrow-minded because they believe Jesus is the only way. But you know what's great about Christianity? Christianity at least admits it's narrow-minded. Most people say, oh, we're, we're not narrow-minded. Take Hindus, for example. They say, Hindus, they believe in almost every God out there. So they must be very open-minded, right? But it's narrow-minded of them to say that to disagree with them is wrong. And yet they believe they're right, so to disagree with them is wrong. So by definition, they're narrow-minded. They may believe in millions of gods, but they're still narrow-minded because if you say... There's only one God. They'll say, you're wrong. We're all narrow-minded, but Christianity, the Bible, admits narrow-mindedness is normal, and it's actually okay. Narrow-mindedness is what helped you pass math because two plus two was not 17 and a half. Narrow-mindedness is what got you through your ACT and through high school and through college. And it's what helped you get through a job interview. Because they said, why would you want to work at this company? And you gave them a narrow-minded answer. It's normal to be narrow-minded. At least the Bible's honest about that. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life no one can come to the Father except through me. People say that's hateful of Jesus to say because it's so narrow-minded. Well, it's hateful of you to say that he's narrow-minded because that makes you narrow-minded. Duh. Self-contradiction. Consider this. Your answer to this question is based on your worldview. Don't answer it. Just think about it. Consider this question. Is abortion ever justifiable? I'm not making a political statement here. I'm asking a question. And your worldview is determining how you answer that question. Is it ever okay to take the life of an unborn baby? Our culture is split on this. Our culture is split on this. I'm not making any political statements here with what I'm about to reason through, so please keep your emails to yourself. A person says that it's justifiable to abort a two-week-old fetus. you got to ask that person, is it justifiable to abort a two-week-old infant? 
And if they say no, why not? What is the difference? If you say it's okay to kill the unborn baby, but not the born baby, why? What's the difference? The reality is, what stacks up to reality? There's a heartbeat before that baby's ever born. There's scientific evidence, proof, that as soon as the sperm touches the egg, it's fertilized and it's alive. So what's the difference in killing that and killing a teenager that is really getting on your nerves? What's the difference? Where's the cutoff? If your worldview says there's some fuzzy cutoff line somewhere, and maybe like in New York State, they say, well, the cutoff is actual birth. That any time before the baby's born, that's okay to kill it. If you're saying that's the cutoff, there's no logical reason for that cutoff. There's no reason that you can point to in actual reality that says that's okay. Because what actual reality, what science points us to is that the moment that that egg is fertilized, it's alive. And it begins multiplying and changing and growing. Now, maybe I've offended some of you. It's okay. Get over it. You know what happens when you get offended? Nothing. It's what we call being a grown-up. You go on. So I got offended. Yeah, man, did, did it cost you money? Did it send you to the hospital? No, but I was offended. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, really, I'm not. Get over it. That's the way life works. That's another great worldview question. Is it okay to be offended? Is it okay to offend someone? Now, that's different than, is it okay to be a jerk? Not okay to be a jerk. But it's okay to say things that will offend people if you're speaking about the truth. What's ironic is, about, is people that in our culture get all offended about being offended, they don't mind offending me. You said something that offended me. I find that offensive. You're a big fat turd. Well, I found that offensive. But I guess it was okay for you to say that. Your worldview determines everything about your life. Does your life and the way that you see it and filter everything add up to reality? How about this? Consider this. What's the best explanation for the universe? Some people believe that the universe is eternal. The universe is always going to be there. It's always going to be going, and it's eternal. And yet the second law of thermodynamics, this is science, proves to us that the universe is running out of usable energy so that at one day the universe like a light bulb is going to go and not work anymore it's going to run out of energy if it had an unlimited energy source it would go on forever but it does not have an unli unlimited energy source the universe is running out of energy so one day it's going to go kaput it's not eternal if your worldview says the universe is eternal science Reality is saying you're wrong. 
Some people will say the universe came out of nothing. Creation didn't happen. Everything was just an accident. Spontaneous creation, they call it. Well, if spontaneous creation happened, why isn't it still happening? Why isn't it happening right now? Why aren't we observing it still? Here's what we know about creative things. When we look at stuff and we think, wow, that was creative, every time we go back to the source, it was created. You don't look at your new car and go, wow, I'm glad an explosion happened in a factory and this thing came into being. Because what reality tells you is that a mind was behind this thing Science, the world, everything around us. Doctors, overwhelmingly, the largest number of scientists in the world are doctors and engineers. And over 80% of doctors are theists. They believe in God. And every engineer has at one point, whether they're an atheist or not, prayed, God, please let this work. They believe in God. Why? Because they see the proof that designed stuff had to have a designer. When you look at the fundamental basis of reality, ask yourself, does my worldview stack up? Consider this. Are people basically good? How does your worldview answer that? If you're saying, yeah, people are basically good, you have never parented. You have never had a toddler because you never had to teach a toddler to lie or to steal or to punch its brother or sister in the face. You had to teach your child to share and to be nice and to be kind. You had to teach the child to be good. You never set up a lesson. You know what, son? Today, we're going to learn how to annoy mommy. You never had to teach your kid that, did you? We are naturally bad. What comes to us naturally is to be stinkers. But we have to be taught and trained to behave well. The Bible, hmm, interestingly enough, God's worldview adds up with this. The Bible says, for all have sinned. And fallen short of God's glorious standard. The Bible says each of us like a sheep has gone astray. We've all turned our own way. We're not basically good. We're, we're basically pretty corrupt. But thank God he is good. The Bible has consistent answers for worldview questions. It's full of them. This question about the goodness of people. Look at Romans 3.23. For everyone has sinned. We fall short of God's glorious standard. But what happened? What did God do about it? Romans 5.8 says this. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God's worldview isn't just the standard for what's real and what's not. God's worldview actually has all the answers to the problems.
the problem of us being basically corrupt? God loved us so much, he gave us a solution. Here are some other statements just to chew on. I'm going to run through these real fast, and then we'll wrap up. How does reality stack up with your own actions? Consider this statement. It's sometimes okay to cheat on a test. What standard legitimizes your answer? It's sometimes okay to steal. What about when someone steals from you? It's sometimes okay to gossip. What about when somebody gossips about you? It's okay to hold a grudge, but how does the holding of a grudge affect you physically? Hypertension, depression, stress. It's okay to do that to yourself? Consider this. There's nothing wrong with porn. doesn't really hurt anybody. How does your perception of women change because of porn? How do you explain the guilt and the shame that people in the industry suffer from? How can the addiction of porn be called harmless? Consider this. Sex with only one person for life and marriage is too restrictive. Well, what's more restrictive? Sex with one person for life or the onslaught of unwanted pregnancies and STDs and guilt. If you think sex with as many people as you want is okay, how come so many people who live that way feel miserable and guilty the morning after? Because something in them is saying this ain't right. Consider this statement. Getting married and staying faithful has never once in human history been bad for society. Think about that. For people who say, oh, you married Christians, you're just so narrow-minded and so awful, how is what we are doing bad for society? It has never once negatively affected a human civilization to get married to one person and to stay faithful to that person. That has always proven the opposite, that it is good for the world. How does your worldview stack up to reality? Examine your life this week. Consider your worldview. Is it consistent? Does it stack up to what is actually real and actually true? Jesus said it in John 8, 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to the Invictus Church podcast. Be sure to tune in every week for more new content. We'd like to invite you to join us in person for our weekend worship services. To get more information about our meeting times and location, please visit us online at www.invictus.church. If this or any of our episodes have inspired you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus, please let us know by sending us a note at info at invictus.church. We would love to hear how our message has helped change your life. Also, if our podcast has been meaningful for you and you'd like to give financially to our ministry, you can easily make your contribution online at www.invictus.church slash give. Thanks one more time for listening. We hope you'll join us again next week.